It's like going to the bar to get advice on your alcoholism problem or something. Yes, exactly. It just makes no sense to me. You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related. Real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. What's up? <laughs> I knew you were going to do something crazy. Why? Well, because this is the third take. <laughs> it's and it's late at night and I'm struggling. <laughs> yep. Well, we were talking about the Super Bowl commercial. Yeah. It's the Budweiser commercial. The old one from the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason, some things like that just stick with you. Yeah. You never forget them. So, yeah, every so often I walk in, I'm like, what's that? <laughs> yeah, I like that part. But my other favorite part is, hey, Duque. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like Shrek. You ever watch Shrek? Yeah. My favorite is, that's right, fool. I'm a flying talking donkey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. That was my favorite part of the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. Only you. Only me. Hey, y'all know what? I can sing the jingle to the Reynolds rap commercial from the 80s. Okay. I'm not going to do it, Uh, but I can do it, just uh, so you know. Okay. Take a sheet of Reynolds rap. (laughs) (laughs) Fold it in your Reynolds flat. First day of meat, add your spice. Fold it once, fold it twice. Okay, sorry. (laughs) And you still can't cook. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you're going to starve to death, buddy. Hope you like that raisin bran crunch, because that's all you're eating for supper the rest of your life. I live off cereal. I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) I cooked... Mexican chicken skillet burrito stuff this morning. What? I mean, tonight. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I try. I really don't try because I don't like to cook. It is not one of my favorite pastimes. No. Well, you know, stay in your lane. Stay in my lane. Stay in my lane. <laughs> I need a chef. Anybody want to cook for me? <laughs> chef Boy RD. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine with me. I'm fine with getting an ego. Ego. Yep. Let go of my ego. Yeah, all right. Who do we have with us today? I'm going to let you guess. I'm going to give you three guesses. All right. What's your first guess? Laura. <laughs> you were supposed to name somebody else. Oh, Jenny. No. Uh, Bri- go back to your first one. Brenda. No. <laughs> I don't know. How many more women do I have to name? I feel like I'm getting grilled here. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, my past is catching up with me. <laughs> uh, not go down that road. Oh, dirty trail. Soggy trail. All right, back to Laura. Skanky trail. Let Laura. We're back to Laura. Back to Laura. Laura who, David? Laura Petherbridge. And what is so special about Laura? Everything's special about Laura. She's yes, awesome. She's a no-nonsense lady like me. Not that I'm a lady, but I am no nonsense. <laughs> David's a no nonsense lady. She wrote a book like me. You haven't read a book? No, but I've provided a lot of content for one. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> You're going to write one later. I'm helping my son write one, remember? A thousand and one things not to say to your wife. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole story there. Yes, it is. So if you don't know who Laura Petherbridge is, she has written several books, one of which is The Smart Stepmom mm-hmm. with Ron Deal. And she also wrote the 101 Tips for the Smart Stepmom, Expert Advice from One Stepmom to Another. And did you read that? Yes. I've even got notes. I know. <laughs> I've seen it. I've read everything. Yeah. That's one of the ones on the shelf that has like all the post-it notes sticking out of all the different tabs and everything where you've marked all that. With my gel highlighter that I love so much. <laughs> I know. Yep. Okay, let's talk about Laura. And what okay, we're go, go, about. go. So with Laura, <laughs> we talk about 
stepdads and stepmoms and how kids embrace them differently. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important to bring up. We always think that it's just easier for the men, but there's reasons behind that. And one thing that I believe is I read something or I probably read it before the internet. Stepdads are awesome. No, (laughs) that children react differently to male voices than they do female voices. Mm-hmm. And when Jackson was little, I used to put a hat on and go in there and be like, boy, you better get it. <laughs> Golly. <laughs> it's no wonder he's so messed up. Well, you know, I was trying to have that assertive male figure in his life before you came around. <laughs> before I came around. Yeah, before you came around. Uh... We also talk about the famous expecting stepmoms to love stepkids like their own. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that Laura has the view on that. I think it's quite interesting what she says. I'm going to wait and let y'all hear that. I'm not going to tell you, but it's kind of funny because I never really thought of it that way. And I did not know this till she told us, which I don't know how I would have known it, <laughs> is she had two stepmoms herself. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Same time? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay, there's not going to be a thud because Dave is not close enough to me, but I'm going to have to find something to start <laughs> chunking at him. And this water bottle looks really good right now. Okay, so are y'all ready to hear our interview with Laura Petherbridge? But wait, there's more. There's more. (laughs) A word from our sponsor. There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle stepfamily challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit nachokidsacademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's nachokidsacademy.com. Uh, welcome to this episode. Today, we welcome Laura Petherbridge, who serves couples and single adults with topics on spiritual growth, relationships, step families, co-parenting, single parenting, divorce prevention, and divorce recovery. She's an international speaker and author of four books, including When I Do Becomes I Don't. I think I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> Practical Steps for Healing During Separation and Divorce. And the smart stepmom, co-authored with step family expert Ron Deal, and endorsed by Gary Chapman, you know, the five love languages guy. 101 tips for the smart stepmom, expert advice from one stepmom to another, and quiet moments for the stepmom soul, uh, which is a devotional. So welcome to the show, Laura. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, you're welcome. So for the listeners, we we did talk with Laura a little bit before we got started here, and, and I already fell in love with her. <laughs> she, she's my kind of woman. <laughs> David, that could be taken wrong. <laughs> so she just, uh, I think we have a, a similar personality, no nonsense, to the point, you know, efficient in our communication. So this, mm-hmm. this should be fun. Great. I mentioned to you that David and I did some research, and I know, I think your Smart Stepmom book came out the year we got married. So unfortunately, we did not have that knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) It was a little late to help us, I guess. Um, Yeah. I I think once we researched everything and got married... We didn't continue researching things, no, and, and that was that was a mistake on our part because things were good at first. We we got this. We don't need that. Oh yeah, <laughs> I remember um, reading that it takes on average, you know, seven to eight years to quote quote blend. And I looked at David. I'm like, that'll take us two, just because we we thought we were so prepared and we were being realistic with our expectations, and then reality hit, and I'm like, yes. oh no. 
That's yeah. very common, just to make you feel better. It's that's <laughs> not abnormal at all. I I do some pre marriage, pre remarriage um, life coaching, and I would say ninety percent of the clients think they're not going to have that many issues when they, you know, and then they call me three months later and say, "Oh my gosh, everything you said is happening." <laughs> <laughs> So it's okay. You're normal. Well, you, you don't want to be a Debbie Downer and say, well, you're probably going to experience this and you're probably going to experience that. But at the same time, that's really the only way to realistically tell these people to say, you know what, you better be ready. It's a roller coaster. Yes. Yes. And it's it's true. You you do feel like you're being negative. And I have been accused of being negative. And I, I, you know, I just say, I'm really not. I'm just trying to give you a dose of reality before it all hits. So, yeah, it's just normal. You know, you, you don't really believe something until you experience it. Exactly. What were you going to say, David? Well, I was going to say, it's funny that, you know, a lot of people would joke around and say, as long as she does what I tell her to, everything will be fine. We'll have a good relationship. But in our, in our case, and in most step family cases, even when the mom or stepmom is kind of following what the dad's asking for, like, I, you know, I want you to step up and be a, and, and fill in the, the role as, as the mom. And I want you to, to act like their mom and, and do some parenting. Uh, when they do that, that's when things often go south. Yes, that's very true. And it, it is so hard to get the dad to understand that the new wife cannot just jump into that role and assume a parenting role. And if she does do that, it's normally going to be met with a great deal of resistance, anger. It's, it's the biggest mistake, step parents, both stepmoms and stepdads, it's the biggest mistake that they make is try to jump into that parenting role way too quickly. And, and a lot of people do it. Being a mother myself, it's almost like deep down inside, this is what you're supposed to do. It's You're supposed to help take care of things. You're supposed to help with the kids. You want to help your husband, but also it's almost like something inside of you is just that motherly thing to take care of things. And you don't realize that it's going to bite you in the butt. Right. And that is why children are more resistant to a stepmother than they are a stepdad. They often view a stepdad as a positive in the family because um, often mom was not making very much money. So now they're living in a nicer home. Maybe they have nicer, you know, things in the home. You know, single parent moms are often, uh, you know, struggling financially. So they view the new stepdad and the new life. Uh, with him in it, if he's not, doesn't step in and try to be a dictator, they view that as, wow, our life has improved, where they do not have that feeling with the stepmom. And that is because as women, we do, number one, we like to be in control of our home. Uh, number two, we, we tend to step into that parenting role much more quickly than we should. And that, you know, that causes resistance. So um, kids in general embrace a stepdad much more easily than they do a stepmom. We definitely experienced that in our situation. I originally thought it was because my son was younger when we got married. He was only four and David's kids were nine, 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 and 10. And I thought that Jackson being four years old is why he and David didn't have the struggles that 
David's kids than I had. Yeah. But I come to find out it's more because David's the man. Because I'm awesome. <laughs> well, and David asked Jackson last night, he said, uh, your mom said that we get along good because you were young when we met. And he said, I told her it's because I was awesome. He said, yeah, you're right. Or something like that. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. And I think even though David and I thought we had realistic expectations, um, we just realized that wasn't working. And we talked to the kids and we talked to them still about things that have happened. And Branson, one of the ones that we've had do a podcast with us, he said that he felt like a stranger was coming in and telling him what to do. Yes, that's exactly how they feel. And then he felt like that this same stranger was taking control of his dad and making his dad do things. Mm, mm, Yeah. Yep. (laughs) So it's, it's funny to get their perspective on things, how they felt throughout the process. I thought that they really, almost the straw that broke the camel's back was me fussing at them about something. Yes. When actually Branson told us the biggest thing was when something happened, they were all playing. My son got hurt. I asked them what happened. My son told me his side. They told me their side. I believe my son. And that's all it took. They wanted nothing to do with me after that point. Oh, yeah. Well, see, they're feeling like there's favoritism there. And that causes resentment. So there you go. And so often step parents don't want to hear that. You know, I, I lovingly and encouragingly try to explain that in particular to stepmoms. But so often they're just, no, I don't play favorites. Well, they have to take a step back and really take a look at what they're doing and how they're responding. Uh, because sometimes we're doing things we don't even realize. Exactly. And we actually asked Ron deal this question when we were talking to him. One thing as a stepmom that is a trigger, it seems, for the ones that are struggling anyway, is when another stepmom says, you should love them like your own. Yeah. (laughs) And I see that and I'm like, you can think that you love them like your own, but in reality, I don't love them like my own. I love those kids, but nothing like my own. And even again, talking to the kids, they said they would be offended if their dad loved my son like his own. Yeah, it's it's really setting the, the step-parent up for such an unrealistic expectation. And, you know, I've been doing this a long time. I meet very few stepmoms. There are some, there are a handful that really, I think, genuinely do feel that way towards the child. Mm-hmm. And it's usually uh, stepmoms like me who are childless, who do not have their own biological children. But even me, without biological kids, I feel a different relationship with my nieces. My brother's daughters are more like my own than my husband's children. Right Now, that doesn't mean I don't love them. I love them very much. But it was a love that took work. It took prayer. It took time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Where with my nieces, I fell in love with them the moment I looked at them. Exactly. They, they, they didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to do anything. It was just a natural love that came. And with Steve's sons, now they were 11 and 13 when I met my husband, my current husband. And, you know, they're, they're in their 40s now, so it's been a lot of years. But it took many years of me praying and, and desiring to be a good influence in their life and 
um, recognizing the only good thing that came out of my parents getting divorced was that I knew to not try to become another mom. You know, so I didn't struggle with that because I had two stepmoms growing up and I knew how hard it was on me as a kid to have a mom and stepmoms. So I never wanted to put that pressure on my stepkids. That's good. So, you know, I did pretty good with that, but that doesn't mean I didn't still want to control things in my home related to them. Mm -hmm. So, um, but that whole, it's funny, I, I did an interview with Dr. James Dobson a handful of years ago, and when I told him that that was a common thing that stepmoms hear, that, you know, well, you should love them like your own, he burst out laughing. He said, that's absolutely ridiculous. I know. <laughs> and so even, you know, I mean, anybody with any kind of training in the mind or psychology or anything that understands relationships through that, through those eyes is going to recognize, no, this is a chosen love that you have to work on. Mm -hmm. It's totally different. And, and it does take time. And we see it all the time, people trying to rush and to force that blend and that bond. And you can't do that. You're just, no. you're making it worse. You're creating more resistance. You're creating resentment. You have to let those things happen naturally and I had to learn to love my stepkids for who they were and their own little quirky personalities. And I don't even love all them the same. I love them differently. Yes. Yep. That's very true. Yep. yep. And very common. Yeah. It, it bothers me when I see that because I'm like, oh my gosh, y'all shouldn't be putting other stepmoms down or making them feel like they're failures because they don't feel this way. Yeah. I mean, probably the first handful events I did for stepmoms when I would say um, I didn't naturally love my stepsons and that in the beginning I didn't like them and that it took time for me to love them and it was a chosen love and that it was work. I mean, the women in the audience would just cry and they would come up to me afterwards and say, I've never been able to tell anybody what you, I feel exactly the same way but hearing you say it has given me so much relief because everybody else around me tells me that I'm wrong to feel that way if I even reveal that I'm struggling. Mm -hmm. And they make me feel guilty, like I don't really love them enough. And um, I thought there was something wrong with me. And you're making me know this is normal to have this emotion. So um, after that point, I, I, I'm very comfortable sharing that, that... I did not instantly love my stepkids. Let's face it. These are children that your husband had with another woman. <laughs> yeah, reality check. <laughs> I mean. Don't remind if, me. <laughs> yeah, if, if you just take a step back, it, it makes total sense to think about why would you be madly in love with children your spouse had with another woman? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, and we can go even into biblical times where, it, 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 you know, those women weren't crazy about it either. So. <laughs> yeah, this is very true. Yeah, that's definitely true. So um, let's uh, switch gears a little bit and, and go into some of the tips in the in your book. And one of them is actually tip number 16 for anybody who has the book. You talk a little bit about what we have come to call the guilty parent syndrome or guilty dad syndrome, or I like to just shorten it to GPS. 
<laughs> yep. Uh, yep. So, so how often do you see that? And it, I'm assuming it's typically the dad more so than the mom. Yes, it is much more often with the dad. Now, part of that is because, you know, courts are changing. Like when my parents went through a divorce, you know, we saw my dad every other weekend, you know, Friday through Sunday. Well, the laws now have a lot more families 50-50 where the kids are you know, with dad half the time and mom half the time. Right. But in particular, if dad fears losing his kids, if his ex-wife or his ex-partner threatens, you know, you're never going to see these kids again. Um, if he fears that the kids aren't going to like him or, you know, if causing any ruffle, uh, you know, and any kind of arguments, he's afraid he's going to lose his kids he will definitely parent out of guilt. And not that moms don't do that sometimes do too. They can, but it's, it is more common in the men uh, that they, the dads, that they struggle with setting any boundaries with their kids because they're afraid that that means the child's not going to come visit them anymore. Yeah, my son goes to his dad. I've got the old-fashioned version of visitation with his dad. The old-fashioned. Yeah, um, <laughs> where he goes every other weekend, and then he goes, you know, a couple of weeks during the summer, or a week at Christmas kind of thing. But I'm guilty of the guilty parent syndrome, and it's because I don't want to fuss at him right before he goes to his dad's. I don't want to fuss at him right when he comes back. And goodness gracious, I surely don't want him to say, I want to go live with my dad. Yep. I really think, and David and I have talked about this, I think if we would have had what everybody calls the nuclear family, I think our kids, we would have been a lot stricter on them. Yes. Yeah, that's very, I, I think, well, and see, you come together as a unit when it's your, your biological family. Mm -hmm. See, in a bio family, even if the husband and the wife don't 100% agree on how to parent, you know, if one's more lenient than the other, you never hear one parent saying to the other, well, you don't really love Johnny. That's, you know, you, you never hear that. Yeah. But in a step family, the biological parent is often viewing the step parent as not loving their child the same way they do or seeing the child through that same lens. And they're 100% correct. The, the, the step parent doesn't see the child through the exact same lens. So that's why you get often will get the step parent coming across as much more harsh, much more rigid, wanting to set stricter boundaries. And sometimes it's a good thing, sometimes it isn't. Sometimes the step parent is being too harsh. So but that's why it's different between a first time marriage and a first time family as opposed to a step family. Because you never hear one spouse saying to the other, you don't really love my child or love this child. Exactly. It's sad because, again, that can make the other, the step parent feel guilty or feel like they're just doing something wrong. And it's not that they don't care about the kids, but they don't know what to do. Yes. Through our training with other people, they learn eventually, and this is kind of like the groundbreaking thing once they realize that it's not necessarily the step kids that annoy them as much as it's the, quote, lack of parenting from the bio parent with the stepkids. Yes. And a key factor to remember is that step parents see the stepchildren through the lens of responsibility. Parents see their children through the lens of love. Yes. 
So the very first lens that a parent sees a kid through is, I love this child, I love this child, where a step-parent, the first lens they see the child through is, we need to teach him or her to be responsible. We need to have them growing up properly, brushing their teeth properly, eating the proper food. See, step-parents are much more about, let's make this child responsible. Mm-hmm. And that is why you have that rub also, because the lens they're looking through, it doesn't mean one is good and one is bad. It, it, there really should be you know, a blend of both of those things. But um, the, the first response is with a parent, it's seeing the child through love. With the step-parent, it's through the lens of responsibility. Well, I often say that the reason why the step-parent wants, wants to teach responsibility is because they want to ensure that the kids are out as soon as possible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, there's another point. <laughs> yeah. And talking about looking at kids through the different lenses, we discuss this all the time, too. David's kids could do something, and it just get on my nerves. But my kid could do the same thing, and it's like, oh, it's okay. <laughs> yes. And see, there's that's proving that that what I just said, it's because you have a natural love for that child because they're your own, that you have more grace towards that kid than you're going to to someone else's child. Right. Oh, I love her kid. I just love to choke him sometimes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh-huh. I understand. <laughs> Definitely grace is something that um, you learn more about a deeper understanding of from being a step-parent. Well, and I had to start just really praying for my stepkids because as a child of divorce, I knew what it felt like to be in a stepfamily, how awful it was, how torn I felt, how guilty I felt, how, you know, I felt like I, I couldn't make anybody happy. And so I had to, that again, that was the only good thing about my parents' divorce is that it gave me the ability to tap into those emotions and say, you know what, Laura, these kids are just feeling the things you felt as a child. And let's look at this through their eyes rather than just your own eyes. And, and I had to be willing to do that. That takes, that takes being willing to humble yourself and say, I've got to look at this differently or I'm not going to make it. Definitely. In the Nacho Kids Academy, we had in February, I did a 28 days to change your thinking because we yes. automatically have negative thoughts. Have, um, I'm sure you've heard of Dr. Daniel Amen with the ants, yes. you know, squash the automatic negative thinking. And a lot of times our mind is not a good thing for us because we on the way home, we think the stepkids aren't going to have done their chores and you're already stressed out. And then you come home and every little thing they do, you're just waiting. And your mind just kind of takes over and all you're focusing on is the negativity of the stepkids, whether it's their bad behavior, their bad cleaning habits, or just ignoring you, whatever it may be. And you focus on that and you forget about focusing on your marriage, which is what you should be focused on in the first place. Right. And and because that irritation is there and right up front, it is so easy to focus on that. And a lot of step parents, you know, make that connection between the stepchild is behaving this way because of their parent, because of the other parent. And if there's antagonism or anger or frustration or conflict with that other biological parent, 
you're going to transfer that anger onto the child. And it's really hard not to do that. You have to make a conscious effort not to do that. I believe that even in our thinking, we have to make a conscious effort to think positive and to find the positive and try to look at things differently. Because if we don't, then it'll just spiral out of control. Yep. It, it, yeah, it, it takes a lot of work. You know, I, I say this all the time. Step, being a stepmom is one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Yes. Because it's never about me. It's always got to be about everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> and, and how fun is that? You know, <laughs> I mean, that's so counterculture to how we live today, where everything is about me, about myself. And so for to turn that around, and I know we don't like to think like that because none of us want to view ourselves as being selfish, but really when you're a step parent, it's never about you. It's always about the kid or the marriage or the husband or the, you know, it's always about somebody else. Yeah. Unless it's about you being wrong, like in my case. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And then there's that. When I realized that I was creating my own misery, I also had to come to the reality that, you know what, I'm kind of the problem. And I didn't like that. Nobody likes to feel that way. And then then I decided to rephrase that and say, it wasn't really me that was the problem. It was my reactions to things. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Just to make me feel a little bit better about it. But Well, and no, there's no, there's no training for this, you know, I mean... And the most common statement I hear is, this is so much harder than I ever thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. See, we didn't know what we were getting into. <gasps> that was going to be one of the questions I ask you is what you think when people say, well, you knew what you were getting into. Yeah. No, but no stepmom knows what she's getting into. <laughs> Even those of us, uh, you know, like I said, I had two stepmoms mm-hmm. and I still didn't know what I was getting into. I thought I did um, because I had two stepmoms. I thought, oh, okay. I know what I felt as a child. I know what to do, what not to do. And it's just so emotionally draining from so many aspects that very few of us uh, had, you know, I mean, now there are those that can become educated and be better prepared. Mm -hmm. You know, if they go to classes, they go to seminars, they go to, I host stepmom retreats. Uh And so I try to educate and teach the stepmoms and the, the ones that do the best are the ones that come to something like that before they get remarried. Um, so, you know, it's, you can become more educated, so you're less ambushed. But even with that, there are going to be things that occur that you didn't know were going to. Right. Or that you, um, they have make you feel differently than you thought they would when they happen. Yes, exactly. Well, the other thing about the education and information, and we've made this point on another podcast episode was that the the information and education is great, but if it's not put into practice, then it is it's useless. And so right. we see that uh, often where the the information is there, the advice is there, the guidance and coaching is there, but people just don't want to follow through. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I need to throw in here, we need to be careful where we're getting that advice from. Oh, absolutely. Because I'm on a lot of social media pages and a lot of step family pages. And a lot of the advice that is on some of those pages is really bad advice. So you, you've got to be careful where you're getting, you know, I think social media is great. Don't get me wrong. But if just because another step parent is on there saying that's what worked for them, does not mean that's what's going to work for your family. Right. So be careful. 
That's something that we try to stress with the whole nacho kids thing is not everybody needs to do nacho or disengage, but not everybody has to do that. And even if you do, it can be at different levels. It depends on your situation. Right. On what causes you stress. But the whole point of nachoing or disengaging is to reduce the stress and the blend for everybody. Right. Exactly. Done properly. That is an excellent way to have less stress in your step family. Right. And the key word there is done properly. Oh, yeah. Yes. We had, um, it's funny, we were talking about this, Facebook groups. They're good and bad. They are good because they make people realize they're not alone. But right. Dave, David's point is, is you've got a bunch of people that are having bad relationships. They don't know what to do and they're giving each other advice. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's like going to the bar to get advice on your alcoholism problem or something. Yes, exactly. It's, yeah. it's, it just makes no sense to me. That's a good analogy. <laughs> yeah, and, and we actually had an issue in our Facebook group last night where a lady had decided to, um, she's a stepmom. She got tired of the kids leaving things around, so she decided to take a box and put it in the hall, and anything left out goes in the box, and anything not removed from the box by Sunday will be donated or trashed. Well, yeah, well, (laughs) that's a great idea, but that is the complete opposite of nachoing, because nachoing is leaving the parenting to the bio parent. Yes. And we could not get these people to understand that. They wanted to argue with us about it. And I'm like, <laughs> don't say nachoing does not work for you when you're not listening to us. You're doing the complete opposite. Yeah. And, you know, if that works for her, that's great. But the thing is, her husband was not on board with it. Yeah. And who do you, who do you think the kids are going to hate for throwing their toys away? Yes. Well, even in my opinion, even if the husband is on board with it, then he needs to be the one that throws them away. She can, you know, she can manage the box and all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to anything that's a negative interaction right. with those kids, he needs to be the one that does it. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. We talk about, um, we have a lot of stepmoms, and I'm sure you see it too, that they're home with the stepkids more than the bio parents are. That's right. And we found that the one thing that seems to work really good for that is if there's house rules agreed upon by the bio parent and the step parent, but they're explained by the bio parent to their kids. And when the bio parent goes to leave, they're like, remember, I asked your stepmom to make sure these rules and consequences are enforced in my absence. That's right. You know? And with technology today, there is no reason that a dad can't call or text and check on his kids and then turn around and talk to his kids and say, why haven't you done your homework? Instead of the stepmom having to do all this stuff. Exactly. And see, then she looks like she, the kids start thinking, if, if it doesn't come from dad, the kids start thinking, well, my dad's just going along with this because um, he doesn't want to deal with his wife. You know, he doesn't want to deal with with my stepmom. So if she wasn't in the picture, he really wouldn't be asking me to do this. Yeah, David said that the kids used to ask him, is this what you want us to do or what Lori wants us to do? Yes. See? They know they're not stupid. Yeah. One thing we learned um, when I first started nachoing, I I couldn't do it fully, I guess, because I was so engaged. I just couldn't give up that control. That's what I felt like. And so I would text David and I would say, so-and-so is not doing their homework. That way he could come in there and go, why aren't you doing your homework? And the kids never knew that it was me. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Until eventually David's like, stop texting me. (laughs) If it's coming from the biological parent, you're going to get way more results than than the step parent because they don't have that bond. You've probably heard the old rules without relationship cause rebellion. 
And that's what it is between a step parent and a stepchild in, for the first handful of years. Rules without relationship cause rebellion. And, you know, it's, it, it, there is still going to be rebellion to the biological parent. Of course, they're going to go, I hate you. I don't, you know, you made me do this. But there's a natural bond that was built with that parent from when they were little growing up that they default to when they're not in that angry mode where they don't have that with a step parent. Right. In your book, tip number 21, setting healthy boundaries. Yes. I, I love the analogy you use or the story that you use about the little girl needs to take her medicine, but she would fight the stepmom every morning about it. Yep. And, and so the stepmom's finally like, look, I'm not doing this anymore. Dad can get up early. He can take care of it. And guess what? That worked. Dad didn't have any issues with it. He's like, here, pop this in your mouth, swallow it. (laughs) (laughs) And see, I actually know that couple personally that I use that story. And he was angry with his wife or, you know, well, that means I'm going to have to, I might be late for work or, you know, that means they're going to have to get up earlier. You know, it, it made life more inconvenient. And so he was not happy about it. Um, and kind of got angry with his wife for setting this boundary, but she knew that if she did not step back, that, um, that this was just going to be a war for her every single day. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, as soon as he had to do it, it was like within two days, the kid was taking his medicine. Right. And we find this a lot, too, that when the step parent tries to step back or mentions it stepping back, the bio parent gets upset and they're like, I didn't marry you for you not to help me or you don't love my kids. And what it is, they're trying to put their responsibility on the step parent. That's right. Mm -hmm. And it's different to help somebody with something than to take over. Yep, absolutely. And if you, as their parent, don't want to do it, why do you think the stepmama wants to? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or they want the stepparent to fix something that they've broken. And that, that can be, I see that a great deal also with a stepdad, where uh, um, the mom was very lenient with their kids because either she was tired or she's working all day, she doesn't want to discipline. You know, she comes home, she's exhausted, uh, or the kid's just hard to deal with. And she gets married and she expects her new husband to come in now and, you know, make everything a tight ship. Well, that's going to backfire big time. Um, So, you know, often the parent was not a good single parent before they remarried. And so when I do pre-marriage, remarriage coaching, I often talk to them about what kind of a parent is your fiancé being not married yet you know are they do they set boundaries with their kids do they because if they're not doing that now don't think they're going to do it after you get married (laughs) yeah exactly so um and we tend to overlook those things when we're dating somebody well and speaking of dating i dated david i didn't date his kids right so again, you have to take time to let that relationship build. You can't build it seeing these kids once every other weekend for a year or two years, however long it is before you get married and expect them to have a relationship with you, especially when they've got the negativity of their mom saying negative things about you. They've got to learn to trust you for who you are, but you can still be a positive role model and a mentor and a confidant to these kids without being a quote, quote, step parent. Yes. And kids often like 
the person their mom or dad is dating before the wedding. I, I've lost count of the number of uh, couples that have said to me, we don't understand what happened. The kids absolutely loved, you know, my husband, my wife, before we got married. Once we got married, it was like a light switch flipped. And all of a sudden, now they can't stand them. Um, that's because the child knows they've been moved to the back seat. Yes. And they know that a part of them has lost the relationship, at least in their mind or emotionally. They know that someone else has now invaded their home and they don't like it. Right. And so it's, that's, that's very common. One thing I remember, um, one of our stepkids had, or my stepkids, our stepkids, <laughs> we couldn't have our stepkids, could we? Um, one of the stepkids, it bothered him that I was redoing stuff around the house. Yes. And he was getting mad. Oh, she's doing, putting brown stuff everywhere. <laughs> I didn't even think about it at the time, but to him, that was taking away what he was used to. Yes. I was kind of um, changing things, and he'd already been through enough change recently. Yeah. That's right. He, they don't want any more change. And see, that's destroying the dream that one day that child will have his biological family back together. Exactly. And the, all kids, whether they will admit it or not, or say it or not, want their biological family back together. Now, that doesn't mean they want all the turmoil and the fighting and all the angst. You know, I'm not saying that, that that's what they mean, but they dream that, that one day it won't be fractured. Um, and so when we come in as a step-parent, again, this is much more a step-mom, and we start changing things, in particular in the home that they grew up in, oh boy, that can get really ugly. Yeah. Tip number 22 in your book talks about learn what hill to die on. Yep. That's, yeah, that's a war phrase, you know, and um, it, it's pretty much you, you've got to decide because you're going to have numerous areas that are, that are turmoil and where you don't agree. And if you make everything a hill to die on, mm -hmm. then when you get to the really important ones that are like, super super life and death kind of stuff you know it's just going to feel like everything in the home was was argumentative so and i often share that for me when i was first dating my husband and then we got married his kids you know didn't like to eat anything other than pizza and, and spaghetti and you know a few foods and i was determined they were going to start sitting down and eating turkey and mashed potatoes and like <laughs> how did that work for you <laughs> yeah yeah I, I mean I turned that into a huge battlefield and it was one of the largest mistakes I made um as a stepmom because if both of the parents were okay with that being their diet for me to come in and try to change that was so foolish because I they were not my children exactly and we say you can't care more than the bio parents. Right. Well, you can, but it's, you're just setting yourself up. That's right. And so, you know, when I was trying to control all that and change things about his kids, all I was doing was causing resentment, building walls, making things that, that I should have let go of uh, and, and nachoed and just walk away and say, these are not my kids. And 
but I, you know, I was bound to determine. Now, if I'm being honest, part of that was just control. Yes. I was not going to make separate food because I wasn't raised that way. You know, you ate what was on the table. Or you starved to death. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, that's just a classic example of that should not have been a hill to die on because there were other things that were going to come that were much more important that did need to be a hill to die on. And because I had made everything so tense, then, you know, it was much harder to, to set boundaries with the important things. Yeah. I think you have to do this as a bio parent too. Which battles do you want to fight? And if not, you're going to fight everything. Yep. You know, the, the one of the big issues I deal with with my clients now is technology. You know, when they're at mom's house, they're allowed to look at everything. You know, they can look at all kinds of things online or they don't have any um, limits on what they can see or what internet things they can use. And then they come to dad and stepmom's house and they, you know, they don't want them uh, seeing all these things on the internet. Well, you can't, you can put some screen things on it. But if the other parent is going to remove those things in the other home, you're, you know, I'm not saying you shouldn't set boundaries in your own home on things that are dangerous like that. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is you can't enforce that in the other home. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, you're, you're fighting a losing battle. Mm -hmm. Now you can make the child you know, like 10 o'clock, your phone sits out here on the kitchen table. It charges on the kitchen table. You can't bring it into the bedroom with you. Well, okay, that's that's a, a boundary you can set. But to say, no, you, you can't ever, you know, delete any texts and you can't do this and you can't do that. Well, as soon as they get to the other home, they can do whatever they want. How much are you really protecting them? Right. Again, I'm not, I don't want anybody to hear that and think I'm saying, oh, let your kids look at anything they want. I'm saying when they live in two homes, you've got to understand that you can only control so much. Right. Yeah. And one thing that um, I try to stress to people, as stepmoms, we do want control. I think it's a woman thing sometimes. And one of the hardest things for me but to do, but when it happened and I realized it, I felt like I was the most powerful person in the world. And what it was to recognize the things I had no control over and could not change mm -hmm. And control how I let those affect. Me. Yes. I would sit at work and somebody would suggest something and I would be like thinking to myself, oh, that's not a great idea. And I would start to say something and I'm like, you know what? It's just not worth my energy to argue with you people or, you know, whatever. <laughs> and I would sit there and I'd go, oh, yeah, look at the control. Look at the control. I got the control. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's empowering once you realize that that is your control. It's not being able to dictate everything for everybody else. Right. And there are times when you have to set, like I have a client whose son is allergic to peanut butter and the stepkids kept bringing peanut butter into the home. Now, see, that's, and the dad was fine with it. The dad would not say, no, you can't do that. Um, and they would leave it out on the counter. And, you know, we're talking a life-threatening situation here. And so, you know, my advice to her was every time you see peanut butter, throw it in the trash. Because obviously they are not understanding the seriousness of this. And see, this is not something that could be, this is a hill to die at because the child could die. Yeah, right. it's, it's a safety or... right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Safety concern. Yeah, and that's we and we tell couples that all the time. We talk about nachoing and how it's disengaging and all that. But when there's 
a safety issue in place, then that goes out the window. You don't uh, you don't nacho safety issues. Right. Definitely. Now, um, let's see. One other thing I saw that um, jumped out at me in your book was tip number 26. Decide whether you want to be right or be married. Yep. <laughs> I can be both. <laughs> David. <laughs> David's going to have his own podcast talking about how wonderful he is one day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just let you do it for me. And you know, that's really true in any marriage, not just a step family. It just happens to come up, I think, more often in, in a step family. And, you know, I'll go back and use the example of the food again with Steve's kids. Was I right that they should have eaten healthier? Yes. Yes, I was right. Um, but if I kept pressing that and kept building that wall because it was separating Steve's kids from him because they didn't want to be around me, which meant they didn't want to be around him. Right. If, if I kept pressing that. And so I had to decide, are you right, Laura? Yes, you're right. It was, it was healthier for them to be eating some other foods. But in order to save my marriage, in order to save my home, I had to let that go. And boy, oh boy, that's a hard thing to do because <laughs> it's, 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 letting go and humbly saying, even though I believe I'm right, I'm, I'm going to let go of this. I'm going to disengage. I'm going to step back mm-hmm. and I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We see this a lot when the step parents are complaining about the step kids not doing chores or, you know, leaving dishes in the bedroom and, you know, just basically kind of, you know, just not doing a whole lot and pulling their weight. We see, uh, that very thing where sometimes a stepmom is, you know, they're right in that the kids need to have more responsibility and they're right that the kids should clean up and not be nasty and leave food in their bedrooms and all that. All that is correct, but it can create one heck of a battle. Yep. And nobody likes anything negative being said about their kid. That's why the number one rule of Nacho is say nothing negative to or about the stepkids. Yep. Yes, that that's... That's absolutely right. And I had to learn because I was raised in a home that was very critical. You know, I had very critical parenting. And so, you know, I can easily be a critical person. Um, I I had to learn uh, that even when I did have to approach my husband about something that I felt I should at least mention. um, And, you know, in addition to that, I, I I learned there weren't nearly as many things that needed to be mentioned as I originally thought. Um, (laughs) But when I did need to mention something, um, I had to do it in a different way. I had to do it in with questions like, how do you think that is affecting your son when he makes this choice? Um, Not accusatory, like, well, did you know he's being irresponsible? You know, um, you know, I had to learn to approach it in a different way, in a gentler way, in a less accusatory way, because who isn't, you know, it's the same thing with me. It's okay for me to say something negative about a family member, but if you say something negative about my family member, my claws are going to come out. Yep, exactly. (laughs) And so it's the same way with step families, you know, uh, in, and you just have to not only be careful about what you're saying, but how you're saying it. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, you just have to be more gentle that way. And it's, it, again, it's not easy to do. It takes a lot more effort and work. And 
yeah, it's yeah. yeah. <laughs> One tactic that we like to uh, to remind people of is, well, actually, I would say remind, but most people don't know it, is that you really want to stay away from asking questions that start with why. Yes. Because why is invoking a defensive uh, answer. So anytime you ask a question of why, you're questioning what that person did or did not do. And you're saying, please defend yourself from, from what I'm asking you. And so you want to stay away from that. Yeah, that's a really good that's a really good thought process because, you know, and some some people get mad when you talk about this stuff. Like, we're married. I should be able to just say what I feel or say what I'm thinking. And, you know, again, it goes back to do you want to be right or do you want to be married? <laughs> You know, it just takes a lot more work doing it the the way that's going to bring better results. Yeah. Right. Maybe we should start uh, like tactical step parenting. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm writing that down, tactical step parenting. <laughs> One of the things that we try to tell people, too, is if the kids are leaving their mess, don't pick it up. Ask the dad to do it. Yep. Don't say, hey, your lazy kid left the orange juice out again. Just, you know, when he walks in the kitchen, go, hey, can you put that orange juice, orange juice up? Or, you know, can you help with the dishes or something to where you're kind of going, your lazy kid did this without saying that? Yes, exactly. Yep. Yeah. The other key to that is is that um, when you ask somebody a question that way, when you say, like, can you put that up or can you help me with the dishes, you're giving them the ability to make a choice. And people want to maintain that autonomous control of being able to say no. Not that they ever would, but you you phrase it in a way that gives them the option of saying yes or no, and they often will. Oftentimes, they will say yes because of the way you phrase it. Yes, right. But if you approach it as your kid didn't do something, then the focus is not on what the kid did or did not do. It's you're complaining. About oh, absolutely, the kids. absolutely. Yeah, it's all about that target. Keep that target off of you. Mm-hmm. And so often, these issues are more marriage related than they are um, step family related. I have numerous stepmoms that bring issues to me and, you know, my stepkid won't do this, my stepkid won't do that, they, you know, or they behave this way or they speak to me disrespectfully or something. And I will say to them, you don't have a stepchild problem, you have a marriage problem. Well, they get angry with that because it's easier to target the stepchild. So, for example, if if the child is disrespecting you and calling you the B word mm-hmm. and dad stands there and does nothing. Dad's the problem. You've got, the kid is going to test that to see, you know, the focus cannot be on the child. The focus on has to be, why is dad allowing his child to call his wife the B word? Right. And see, that's a marriage problem. Yes. The stepchild shouldn't be doing that but it should be dad correcting the child from doing that, not the stepmom. Exactly. And we see a lot of times, too, a lot of the step family issues, even with the, between the kids, they would be issues if it was a nuclear family. The kids fighting, not getting along. Right. But because it is a step family, it's like intensified times 100. Yes. Because they're not their kids. And so those emotions rise up with that. Absolutely. But even in this, in this example, say if, if I was the mom, the biological mom, and my child called me that word, you know, or anything else disrespectful, you know, I'd feel totally comfortable saying I am your mother and you will never speak to me that way again. And 
you know, this is going to be the consequence of that. You don't have a phone anymore. You don't, you know, you start taking things away. Whereas the step parent, if I try to do that, it backfires. Exactly. So um, that's, and that's the piece that most people do not understand about entering a remarriage is that it's got to come from the biological parent. Yes, it does. Well, let's go over one last thing before we run out of time here in your book, tip number 38. And I, I love this. I'd heard it before several years ago and it just resonated with me, maybe because I'm older and I've been through so much, it seems like with the whole blend, that hurt people hurt people. Yep, yep. And it's true. And even I try to remember this when I go to the grocery store and the person that's, you know, the cashier or whatever, if they're just like almost grumpy or mean or you can just tell they're not happy. I try to remember that it's not me that they have an issue with, that they're hurting some way. Yes, that's absolutely right. And I'm I'm really trying to help educate stepmoms more and more. Sometimes they're receptive to it. Sometimes they aren't. But I'm trying to help them to see why the child is behaving the way they do. That it's, it's not about you. You know, they may even like you or be glad that you're, you know, in the home. But they're going to hide that because of the turmoil that is going on inside of them. And one of the mistakes we have made in our society is, is this whole kids bounce back quickly, divorce doesn't really affect them that much, or today, you know, well, mom and dad were never married. I hear this a lot. Well, my husband was never married to their mother, or it was a one-night stand, or they were only together for a couple of months. When the stepmom thinks like that, and they, they view this as well, the child isn't really hurting that much because the parents were never really married or the, the parents, you know, had a bad marriage or the mom's the one that walked out. They're totally missing the point that the reason the child is behaving this way is because they have pain, turmoil, fear, anger, frustration. They have all these emotions inside of them and they, kids' brains are not developed. They're not fully, fully functional yet. And so they can't communicate that emotion the way an adult can. Today, we've pushed the brain development back to, they're saying now it's pushed back to 25 or 26 years old right. where the, the brain isn't fully functional until, you know, it used to be like 16, 17, 18. Now it's, it's pushed back even later in life. And so when you don't have a fully developed brain, you're going to react to those emotions in very unpleasant ways. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes they don't have the skills to do that either. Like we're, we're not allowing kids to develop problem solving skills, yes, uh, interpersonal communication skills, coping skills. We're, we're shielding kids from those to, to from developing those skills these days. And, and that is also uh, something that affects them. Yes. That's really scary. This could get pushed out to where people's brain don't develop to their feety. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's actually scary. The technology, them being on computers and being on their iPhones and being on, you know, in electronics, it's, it's um, 
preventing them from learning life skills that they need, interaction skills, communication skills. And um, so this is one of the reasons why their brains are not developing in that area nearly as well. And it's causing them to stuff their pain inside more than learn how to cope with it. Right. And the and the part of the brain that takes so long, the the that's taken till they're twenty five or twenty six, is the prefront prefrontal cortex, which is where yes. the decision making comes into play. Yep. So they don't have the ability to make good decisions until they're in their mid twenties. Yes. I mean, look at. I mean, I realize I'm sounding old here, but I'm 63. Look at my mother's generation who went to war. These men and women went to war at 15, 16, 17, 18. I mean, they were fully functioning adults at that point, enough that they, you know, they were out problem solving in these very complicated settings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I worry about the, our generation. What if you know, they need to, to have to do some serious things like that, like go to war, or protect, you know, their family or, you know, they won't have the coping skills to be able to do that because their brains are so delayed. It, it really is. This is why you see so many kids not leaving home. That's a huge issue in step families today that the kids are 25, 30, 35. They're still living at home. And um, when I was 18, I couldn't wait to get out of my parents' house. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, we, we talk about that all the time, how we were ready to go. You know, you couldn't get us out fast enough to get us into an adult life. And Exactly. So those things are connected. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. Well, we probably shouldn't tell step moms that their stepkids aren't going to leave until they're 25 or 30. They might just do it. <laughs> yeah. Cause you, you know, stepmoms have this app on their phone. That's the countdown till the child turns 18 because <laughs> they think the child just magically disappears. <laughs> Good luck with that one. <laughs> that I had that fear that um, we were going to end up with two of the David's kids, if not more, still living here when they were, you know, collecting retirement <laughs> and um, they're all gone. It, it happens. You may not think it's going to happen, but they do disappear. And the funny thing is, is I miss them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And see, now I have grandkids and see, they don't view me as a step anything. Cause I've been in their life since they were born. Right. So this, this is the perk of hanging in there is that, you know, I have two, two grandchildren now and I'm just Nana. To them. I am not step nana. Um, and now uh, the biological grandma is deceased. So, you know, I won't lie, that makes it a little easier for, you know, there not to be an interference there. But, you know, it, it, it really, if you hang in there and do the right thing and learn the practical, good, healthy ways to do this, there can be benefits, there can be perks. So sometimes we focus only on the, you know, some of the complicated things. But, you know, it, it, it does happen over time if you just stay diligent. Yes. Right. And, and that's very important to um, see that the light at the end of the road is not an oncoming train. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Laura, it has been absolutely fantastic having you on the show. And uh, before we end here, though, I do want you to tell the listeners, how can they find you and your resources? Yes. Thank you very much for doing that. My website is the smart stepmom.com. 
thesmartstepmom.com. And uh, I have a blog on there that's free. So I write on all different subjects. And I write for numerous magazines, online magazines. So there's always articles there too. And I do normally do a stepmom retreat once a year. This year, it'll be in September in Nashville. So all the details on that are there too. Yeah, you've got something coming up like Cowgirls, something other. Yes, Cowgirls on the Beach. Now, that has nothing to do with step families. Um, <laughs> okay. But, <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of stepmoms that come to that, but it's not a step family focused event. That's a women's event. But those Cowgirls are some of the fun, most fun laughs. The music is fabulous. So, yes, I speak at Cowgirls twice a year. That's awesome. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> yes. Well, like David said, it has been a great pleasure speaking with you. And I hope that we can have you back on in the future. Well, I would love that. And I appreciate your heart for step families and just your compassion and, and just, you know, that you really are invested. I appreciate that. And uh, it's been a joy speaking with you. And we appreciate you. You too. God bless you. Bye-bye. I love Laura. I can't say that. What? Because you'll get mad. I do not get mad if you love Laura. I love you, Laura. We love you, Laura. It was great to have you on our podcast. It was. Like, she's listening to us now. Hey, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. She's a, she's a like-minded individual. Yes. No nonsense. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed um, speaking with her about guilty parent syndrome, getting her views on that. Mm-hmm. Especially when she said, step parents see the stepchildren through the lens of responsibility. And parents see their children through the lens of love. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's why your kids didn't get on your nerves as much as they did mine. Right. And they still don't get on my nerves like you do. Wait a minute. (laughs) Your kids don't get on your nerves like I do? That's exactly what I said. I know. (laughs) Isn't that what she was trying to say? No. (laughs) That's what I took from it. Oh, goodness gracious. That whole perception thing (laughs) or interpretation, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) Okay, and then we discussed house rules and consequences and went through a few of the tips in her 101 tips for a smart set mom. Mm -hmm. That was pretty good. Yep. And I also like the fact that she addressed how much do you spend on your wedding? You get married and you spend, I don't know, I think where we are, people spend a lot less money than like in New York and things like that. But just say you spend $5,000 on your wedding Mm -hmm. and then things get hard and difficult and people don't want to invest in their marriage. They won't pay the whatever it is to go see a counselor or to get the help that they need, but they would rather pay the money for a divorce. Right. Yeah. That to me, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Now I will say that early on, like when I was younger, if I thought about going to a marriage counselor or going to talk to somebody about my marriage, it was kind of, it was embarrassing, right? You don't, there's like stigma around it. But when you think about it, anybody who is in a high performing type job or, or lifestyle, whether it's an, an athlete or a performer or a business owner, all these people have coaches and they have coaches to make them better. You know, you think of a NFL quarterback. It's not that he doesn't know how to play the game. And it's not that he's a failure at the game, but he has a coach there to help him improve even you know further beyond what he's capable of doing at the present. And to guide him because the coach sees things outside. Exactly. They're not they're not right. so close to the action that they can't see what's going on. And when you think about what you and I do as, as step family coaches, it's very, very similar where, you know, we're able to step back and look at things objectively. And, you know, sometimes from the sidelines, we're able to see things. And and we get to scream at the stepdad <laughs> and say, give me 10. But 
you know, we, we do a lot of the same things when we're providing that coaching and we're able to say, look, these are some things that's work for other people or here's the place where you misstep. It doesn't mean you're a failure. It just means, look, there's there's always better ways to, to do things and, and there's better ways that you can try to get uh, better results. And so it just makes perfect sense to invest in yourself and your marriage to try to make that happen. Because you and I know if that marriage falls apart, you're going to take those bad habits and those things you haven't learned well, and you're going to take them into the very next relationship. And you still will have issues with it. Oh, yeah. It's going to be your new baggage to take with you. Right. So it it, does, it makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Uh, if people would get past the whole stigma of, uh, oh, well, I'm having problems in my relationship. And I don't, you know, that's that means I'm a failure. It does not mean you're a failure. It just means that you're normal and you just need somebody to coach you and, and help you along the way. You know, life coaching. I, I used to laugh about it when people would say, I'm a life coach. And I'm like, what? Really? Come on. Now you're a step parent coach. You know, now I look at it and I, I think very differently because I'm older and wiser and having been through life challenges, I, I, I now appreciate people that can do that. But like any other type of uh, position like that, you can have coaches that are terrible and coaches that are really good. You can have counselors that are terrible and that are really good. So you still have to you know, vet those out and do your due diligence to make sure that you're getting something that's it's worthwhile. But anyway, that's my rant on that. But people really should be trying to better themselves all the time, whether it's relationships or anything, anything they're doing. It just it benefits them all the way around to, to try to be a better person. And I really wish people wouldn't wait until the last minute to get help. Yep. You know, kind of once you start seeing that you have hurdles several times a week, don't wait until you're absolutely miserable and dread going home before you seek help. Mm -hmm. What do you have to lose? And then I just thought of a really good analogy. What's that? In the Nacho Kids Academy, we teach you the tools to not get tackled. <laughs> How you like that? Yeah, okay. That sounds fine to me. Well, in my head, I was like, oh, we give you the tools so you don't get tackled. You're talking about football and stuff. Yeah. Or maybe that's the only coaches I think of when you start talking about that. <laughs> maybe so. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, when you think about business, because a lot there's a lot of people that are very successful entrepreneurs and CEOs, and they have business coaches. You know, you even look at some of the people like the guys on Shark Tank and all that. They they have business coaches, and I mean, these people, you know, they're they know what's going on. They've got multi million and multi billion dollar businesses, and yet they still have people that coach them and help them with what they're doing. And so, it just makes sense to have that. I know one of the important things to me after we had met with the counselor, it was important for me to be able to have somebody that I could contact in a week when I had a question and not have to wait a month for an appointment. Mm -hmm. And it was really nice that I was able to contact him and ask him a quick question and get my quick answer, which the answer was, they are not your kids. <laughs> but I still needed that. And I needed to make sure that I was doing what I thought I was doing right. And so it was really good to have that and important for me to have that. And that's why in the Not Your Kids Academy, we find it so important to respond to people through the private community at least once a day. Yeah, yeah. So you have the coaching calls twice a month and then you have the, the forums there all the time because you know you don't want to go an entire month or even a week or a day even where you know you you have a question am I handling something properly or what happened here because there's a lot of times when you know like a stepmom will come in and they'll like you know this is how this played out and you know what what in the world happened what was he thinking? And then sometimes it's like, well, what do you mean? What was he thinking? He was responding to you, <laughs> what mm -hmm. you did. And then when you get them to think about it, they're like, oh, yeah, I didn't really handle that very well, did I? I'm like, nah, not really. 
Yeah. I like the ones that say, well, I'm going to talk to my significant other tonight about nacho. And, and as soon as I read it, I reply and I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 <laughs> slow down. wait, 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 let's, let's go over a few things. Let's make sure you do this properly. Oh, you're coaching them. Yeah. See, see how that works. <laughs> I need a physical trainer coach. <laughs> yes. You, uh, wait a minute. You better hush your mouth, David. <laughs> you. <laughs> All right. So that was an awesome interview with Laura. Absolutely was. And we hope to have her back on in the future because she has got years of experience with this mm -hmm. and the knowledge and the research that she has behind writing her books. And she's just awesome to talk to. Yep. We will definitely have her on again. She's like a ray of sunshine. <laughs> All right, folks, that is our podcast for today. Make sure you please head on over to iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast and give us a five-star review. We love it when you do that. You can also reach out to us at contact us at nachokids.com. If you have a question, leave it. We might even answer it. Who knows? David, <laughs> we will answer it. All right. For Lori and myself, remember, life is good when you nacho. Peace out. Boy Scout. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.